So today we are beginning a, a new sermon series, which, I mean, this is our, our third sermon series at Hope since we, we started. Uh, we, at, we moved through books of the Bible, section by section. So we went through the book of Galatians by the Apostle Paul. Uh, then we went through a very short book in the Old Testament, the, the book of Ruth. Um, and so now, actually, we're, we're turning to uh, one of the, the Gospels. It's one of the, the biographies of, of Jesus in the New Testament, the, the Gospel of Luke. Um, so if, if you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to turn to the, the book of Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's, that's okay. There, we actually have some pew Bibles um, that are on the chairs around you, so you can grab one of those. Um, and that's on page 855 um, in the Pew Bible. So again, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Listen as I read. Insomuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for Luke. We thank you that we can know about what Jesus did in his, his life and, and ministry. And so, Lord, we pray that today your Holy Spirit would be at work to, to give us certainty concerning the things that, that we have been taught. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the, the first things that, that comes up as we, as we think about starting a new sermon series in Luke here is who is this book for? And, of course, it's the Bible. It's for everyone, people at different times and places um, and cultures. But at a very basic level, from what we see here, it's actually for doubters and skeptics. Um, it's for people who, who look at the Bible and kind of wonder, okay, is this actually true? Um, and especially as we think about the events of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, people who, who say, yeah, I, I know the story, but did that actually happen? Is it real? And I imagine that there are probably um, doubters and skeptics here today. And, and I mean, some of you might identify as somebody who is a non-Christian doubter. You're, you say, I'm interested in religion, that's why I'm here, but I, I doubt the truth claims of Christianity. And maybe you would identify with this story of Bertrand Russell, who, when he was asked by somebody what he would say if he got before God, um, and he, he said he would tell God, not enough evidence. Not enough evidence. Um, but then also, I think, you know, there's not just non-Christian doubters, but there are also Christian doubters here as well. Um, those who have re repented, trusted in Jesus, uh, have been baptized, are part of a church, but then who, of course, have those existential moments where you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, yeah, I believe, but is it really true? Did Jesus really do those things? Did he really say those things? And uh, it, I mean, it almost reminds me of the, the man who, who met Jesus and, and said, 
I believe, Lord, but help my, my unbelief, both this kind of doubt and, and belief at the, the same time. And really, Luke here um, is, is writing to somebody who was a doubter as well. Um, a, you, you notice he's, he's named in verse 3. He's called Theophilus. Uh, and Luke says, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, concern, um, O excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And so you'll notice that this man, uh, Theophilus, uh, his name means lover of God, um, and he probably was a very well-respected member of the, the society. Um, I mean, Luke calls him the, the most excellent Theophilus. Um, but he was also probably a very most excellent doubter. And he may have been, we don't know that much, really very much at all about him. He could have been a non-Christian doubter. He could have been somebody who had heard stories about Jesus, but still was wondering, is it actually true? And so Luke is writing to really persuade him. But I actually think that it's more likely that he's actually the, the Christian doubter, that he's somebody who believes in Jesus, has repented and trusted in him, but then still has the, those lingering doubts, just wondering, is this true that, that I, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief? And thankfully, that's exactly what Luke is trying to do. He's trying to help his unbelief by writing this letter. And, he, and he's saying, dear Theophilus, I'm writing this so that you can have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. But I don't think that Theophilus is the only doubter. Um, I think that every single Christian goes through moments of, of doubt, of, of wondering, that I believe, Lord, help my unbelief kinds of, of moments. And it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. I mean, and maybe even some of you today are in that place of saying, I think I, I believe, but... I also doubt, and sometimes we're even afraid to admit that, to admit that we struggle with doubt in any way. But Luke is saying, no, I, I'm actually writing this to increase your confidence, so you can have more certainty than you, you have today. And I think that often in our culture, people say, well, you know, doubt, uncertainty, it doesn't really even matter at all. It's not a, it's not a big deal. And really, Certainty is impossible. You can't have certainty, so you just kind of get comfortable with doubt. And I've found this a lot of times in conversations with people about the gospel, about uh, Christianity, that you'll, you'll talk about it, and eventually people will say, well, yeah, but you can't really know anything for sure. There's nothing is, is certain, so you just kind of have to live your life and do what you can. Uh, and really, I think that that comes from the kind of postmodernism that we have in our, our culture that says, you can't know anything, there's no truth, kind of big T truth. And really, the, the kind of culturally, I think that we're only certain about one thing, and that one thing we're certain about is that nothing is certain, right? <laughs> we're really sure there's nothing certain in the world. But if you think about it, though, certainty is, is really important. And not just when we think about Christianity, but I mean, even think about something as simple as crossing the road. And, that if you had no certainty ever that a car was either coming or not coming, that would be a pretty scary place to be. You know, you look both ways, there's no car coming, you don't hear anything, you don't see anything, but maybe there's some car I don't see, right? That, that you need certainty that, no, there's not a car coming, I'm going to walk across 
in confidence. And it would be, and, and that's where and the postmodern, nothing is certain idea is kind of breaks down because no, if you're gonna cross the street, there comes a point where I, no, I'm certain that there's not a car coming. But it's not that certainty then is this inherently good thing. Well, all you need is certainty because you don't wanna be assured and have certainty about the wrong things. Because if you just don't say, I have so much certainty, I'm not even gonna look, I'm just gonna walk. Um, you know, and then that's, a, that's dangerous because then the car comes and, and that's it. And so you need certainty, but you need certainty in truth and uncertainty about things that aren't true, right? And, and it's exactly the same when we think about Christian faith. That what we, if it's actually true, and if the story about Jesus is true, then we need certainty or we put ourselves in a very kind of precarious place. I mean, if you're not certain, I mean, why spend so much time reading the Bible? Why spend so much time in church and studying and, and, and just in investing in a community. I mean, even thinking about those of you who have been part of the church plant, how much time and energy you've put into it. If you're not certain, why put in that time? Or you can think about um, what we discussed even with Bill, sharing your, your faith with somebody, friend or family member. If you're not certain, that's just an embarrassing thing to do. It can be kind of awkward. Um, why do it if you're not certain? Or suffering for Christ. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that that the Christian life involves suffering, but if we don't, if we're not certain that it's even true, why suffer for it? Or even thinking about Theophilus's context back in the first century, I mean, he was at a time when people were literally being killed by the Roman Empire for their Christian faith, where he could pay the ultimate price. And just as many people around the world today are, are dying for their faith. And so when, when we're in a place where we're safe, we think certainty doesn't matter. But I mean, if God forbid you're at a place where somebody's saying, I'm going to kill you unless you give up Christianity. Certainty is really, really going to matter at that time because you're certain that you want to live. But if you're not certain that Jesus really did the things that he did and that it's true, then the, the answer would be clear in that moment. And so we need certainty concerning the things that we have been taught if we're going to, to live the, the Christian life. And, and thankfully, that's what, what Luke is offering Theophilus. He's offering that to you and, and to me. So just for the, the rest of our time, we'll, we'll walk through this, this passage together. But we'll, we'll look at it through the lens of this central question. So we've said that we need certainty. But then how do we have certainty concerning the things that we have been taught? How is it that we actually find the certainty that we know that we need if Christianity is true? And really, we see three answers to this in our text. So first, we have certainty through numerous sources. That's verse 1. Second, we have certainty through reliable eyewitness testimony. That's verse 2. And then finally, we have certainty through Luke's careful research and organization. That, that's verse 3. Um, so let's walk through this together. So first, we have certainty through numerous sources. And look again at, at verse 1 in, in your Bible. He says, Insomuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. And then he continues this, I mean, this entire passage is one sentence. Um, so, but just in that one part of the sentence, we start to learn quite a bit about this man, Luke, who, who's writing the book. And we learn that he is a, a well-educated, poetic guy. I mean, this is some of the highest Greek 
it, it was written in Greek originally, really fancy Greek uh, compared to many of the other writers in the New Testament. And, and it comes through even in English. I mean, imagine starting your college essay, in so much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have, you know, that it, it sounds almost kind of like Thomas Jefferson or somebody who's, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that, you know, in so much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative, that it's a very kind of lofty, eloquent way of speaking. And so that's consistent with what we know about Luke as a person, that he was a Gentile, he has a, a Greek name, and a really reliable church tradition uh, from the earliest Christians said that he was somebody who was uh, basically, bef even before becoming a Christian, had become really enamored with um, Judaism, with the Old Testament scripture, um, and had was, became very knowledgeable and literate in the, in the Bible and was a follower of Yahweh, but then encountered Jesus and, and faith in him as the, the fulfillment of what came uh, before. Uh, but then, in addition to this, he was also a physician, a, a, a medical doctor. Um, and if, if you flip in your Bible to, to Colossians chapter 4, so this is a letter from the Apostle Paul, and so at the end he's saying, kind of giving greetings, in, in verse 14 of Colossians chapter 4, he says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Um, and so what he's saying is that, oh, by the way, this guy who's with me, Luke, our Luke, sends you greeting, and he's the, the beloved physician. Um, and, and we know that Luke was a companion of the Apostle Paul, um, partly because of other things we see like Colossians, but then also Luke wrote a sequel to this gospel called the Book of Acts, uh, which is basically the history of, every, of the time after Jesus, life, death, and resurrection through the early church as it spread throughout the Roman Empire, and we know that he was traveling with Paul for, for much of that time. And so he, this man Luke, he's poetic, he's well-educated, he's a Gentile companion of Paul, writing probably the mid-60s AD, so about 30 years after the time of, of Jesus. But you'll, you'll notice then that this, this man is, is showing us that he's not the only source about Jesus. He's not the only one who's telling people what Jesus did. Because he says that, that many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished. Um, and the things accomplished are, of course, the, the events of Christ's life, the, his person and, and work and the fulfillment of redemption and, and salvation. Uh, but then, what are these many sources that, that he's talking about? Well, I mean, I think probably many of you know that within the New Testament, we have four major sources of information about Jesus' life. Uh, four, um, basically, biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most scholars believe that Luke actually probably had Mark when he was writing his own gospel. There's kind of complicated reasons for that, but just overlap of some language and stuff. So um, that's probably one of the sources that he's talking about. Uh, but then also Luke, almost certainly, as he talks about many uh, compiling information, uh, he knew um, eyewitnesses, so he had these oral sources, oral traditions, um, and other writings that may have begun to, to circulate in, in the Roman Empire and in, in the early church about this is what Jesus said, this is what he did in his teaching. 
And so Luke isn't saying that, okay, the, everybody got it wrong, but now finally I'm going to give you the, the right information. But he says, you know, I'm building on these, these other sources. Because, I mean, if he was using Mark, which almost certainly he had, I mean, that's scripture. That's inspired by God. We have it in our, our Bible. But, but yet he's taking that and, and trying to not contradict it, but actually complement what he had. And so I think that that, that actually is an encouragement to us, um, that, that Luke and the things that he teaches and says about Jesus aren't just something that, that he's just making up out of the, the clear blue. But there are people at that time in that part of the world who uh, were reading about Jesus, who were talking to people who had, who had known Jesus. So kind of all of these different sources coming together to paint a picture of, of Jesus Christ. And so you can almost think about it kind of like a, a rope, right? That you have a couple cords that can break, but if you take a whole lot together and weave it together, then you can have a really strong rope. And that's the way it is with these sources. And, and the sources that we have in the New Testament, these four Gospels uh, of Jesus, um, form this, this rope together. I mean, because if we only had Luke, I mean, we would have a lot of reason for certainty about Jesus, but when we put then his witness to Christ against these other witnesses um, and see that, okay, they're not contradicting each other, they're complementing each other, but what we see is this multidimensional picture of Jesus Christ that, that shows us the, the essence of his person and work and how actually we can find hope in him. And so, really, that's the first answer to the question about certainty, that we have certainty through these many sources. But here's the, the second answer, that we have certainty through reliable eyewitness testimony. Look at verse 2. So he's continuing his sentence, and he says, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. And so Luke knows that just having many sources doesn't automatically make something true, because you can have unreliable sources. But what, what he's saying here is that, no, the, these many sources that are all pointing to the person and work of Christ, uh, that they are from people who were eyewitnesses, who actually witnessed the things that they're, they're talking about and are writing them down for us. And, and we, we know that from the other Gospels in the New Testament. So you can think of the Gospel of John, written by John, um, who was a disciple, who was with Jesus, saw the, his teaching, saw him after the resurrection alive. You can think of the Gospel of Matthew, also written by somebody who is with Jesus, saw the things that he did and, and said and, and wrote them down for us. Um, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, um, it's interesting, he actually was not himself an eyewitness, but the really reliable church tradition says that he was a friend of Peter, the Apostle Peter. Um, and so as Peter was talking about, hey, these, this is what Jesus did, these are his teachings, these are the things he said, Mark wrote it down. And so in a way, Mark is kind of the, the, the gospel of, of Peter, um, in a way. And like Mark, Luke actually, he didn't see Jesus most likely during his earthly ministry. He wasn't himself an eyewitness. But we've already said that he was a companion of Paul, who had seen Jesus alive as, a, uh, as an eyewitness. And so is, is Luke then has this, this certainty concerning the things that he has been taught, his certainty isn't coming from the place that 
he was with Jesus, but his certainty is coming from the place that he was with people who were with Jesus, people that he, he trusted and, and respected. And so I think that that actually is, is really encouraging to us here because Luke then is kind of a, a link between where we are and where they were in the first century because like us, we weren't with Jesus during his earthly ministry. That that's not the, the ground of our certainty. Um, but then at the same time, he's somebody who has something that we don't have, that he was still alive when people who knew Jesus were alive and was able to talk to them and collect these, these sources and, and stories and, and um, descriptions of Jesus' work. And then he's able to kind of bring it all together and pre present it in a way for us. So, so us here could actually have access to the things that these eyewitnesses said and wrote about what Jesus really did. Now, some of you, as I'm saying this, might be saying, well, I, I think I've heard something very different from this from various places. Because if you, if you turn on the you know, History Channel documentaries, I, I find all the documentaries on the History Channel are always secret of some kind. The secret of the lost such and such. The secret of, you know, and so you always have the, the secret of the lost Jesus that no one has thought of before today. Um, or, the, or you think of the book, The Da Vinci Code, um, as well, that says, oh, you know, the, the Gospels came way later and no one can trust them because they weren't from eyewitnesses and, and we're so far away from the actual events that it's really just mythology about something. Um, and that's actually just not true. <laughs> like, it sells books and it makes for interesting documentaries. But uh, even among scholars, yeah, they, they would say, yeah, Luke wasn't with eyewitnesses, or he wasn't an eyewitness himself, but he was with eyewitnesses of Jesus. He was only 30 years from the actual events with people who were there. And, and there's, it's interesting, I mean, as much as you know, probably some of us aren't interested in biblical scholarship at major universities, it actually does touch us in the church here today. Because I know so many people who just kind of dismiss Christianity because they're like, well, I've, I've heard vaguely that scholars don't believe we can trust the, the Gospels. Um, but they're even among scholars who don't necessarily, they're not necessarily Christian, but they're studying the New Testament, New Testament scholars, the tide has really begun to change in this. Because there, were, there was a wind of people saying, oh yeah, the Gospels, they came way later, they're not connected to actual events. Uh, but there's this guy in England who wrote a book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, a really reputable scholar, and he really just decisively showed by just looking at the data of the Gospels that no, these don't read like mythology, they don't read like accounts that are coming way after the events because there's, it's too specific, too many names, too many places, too many events, too close to what we actually know about the culture, that no, what we have in the four Gospels are actually um, the, the eyewitness account of what Jesus has done. And so we actually then have a grounds for certainty, for trusting this witness, which is really good news if we're going to be reading the Bible and working through this together. So that's really the second ground of, of, of our certainty, that we have these reliable eyewitness testimonies. But then the, the third and, and final answer is that we have certainty through Luke's careful research and organization. Look at verse 3. He says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. 
So I think that what Luke is doing is he's, he's subtly addressing something that an objection somebody might raise of saying, well, yeah, w there are many sources. Those sources are reliable because they're coming from eyewitnesses. But maybe he's, Luke just is new onto the scene and just got it wrong, put the wrong things down. And so what he's saying here is that he, he was studying this for a really long time. He's not the college student who's just kind of, you know, the night before his paper do, is due, reads two articles, skims a book, and, and writes the paper, uh, right? Uh, but but he's, he's somebody who has been researching and talking to people and going to great lengths. And he says, all things closely for some time pass, uh, whether that's interviewing or, or traveling. Um, and I, there's, there's a little bit of kind of sanctified speculation of saying, what did that look like for him to do this research process over so long? And, and I, I read this really great description of it in a commentary. Uh, it says, through long periods during his travels along with Paul and also at other times, he made thorough researches concerning the gospel stories so that he was able to set forth the actual course of events. He collected and studied all available written renderings of words and works of Jesus. Whenever the opportunity was presented to him, he discussed the gospel stories with persons who possessed firsthand knowledge concerning him. And during his stay in Jerusalem and in other parts of Palestine, he collected as much information as possible concerning the buildings and places constructed with the history of Christ. This is all clearly evidenced by the content of the third gospel. And, you know, I think that that presents, gets our imagination going, but that's really what he did. That, that as he traveled, he would talk to people. I mean, it, we'll, we'll see that in the Christmas story, that the narrative of his birth, um, he is only one of two gospels that tells the Christmas story. Mark just starts with Jesus' public ministry. Um, and so you can imagine him you know, maybe being able to meet Mary and saying, hey, I have Mark's gospel. He doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus. Can you tell me a little bit about what actually happened? Who was there? What? Um, and then began to construct this, this picture of what actually happened. And that's why even throughout Luke, he has so many parables and stories that we don't find in the other gospels that are, that are so dear to us as believers. And so through this, we, we see that, what, that Luke is this really amazing historian. And this is something that's recognized even by, by secular historians, people who don't necessarily believe the Bible. Um, for instance, one historian um, says, whenever modern scholarship has been able to check on the accuracy of Luke's work, the judgment has been unanimous. He is one of the finest and ablest historians in the ancient world. Or another uh, famous archaeologist says, Luke is a historian of the f finest rank. Not merely are his statements trustworthy. He is possessed of the true historic sense. He seizes the important and crucial events and shows their true nature at great length, while he touches lightly or omits entirely much of what was valueless for his purpose. In short, this author should be placed with the very greatest of historians. And I think that that, that is really true, that he's this amazing historian. And so that, that is encouraging to us here today in Garden Valley, who may not be biblical scholars, to say, no, Luke did his work, that this, he is, he's a reliable person, 
He, he isn't somebody who's just making things up because that's what he had been taught, but he, he's researching, he's using his mind and his heart to present this, this beautiful, well-crafted account of Jesus, but with a purpose. He's not just a dispassioned academic, but he wants to give us here certainty concerning the things that we have been taught. But ultimately, though, as we think about this, this certainty that we have, it's not just because Luke is a good historian who's smart and collected all of this information. If that were all it was, we could, you know, we could trust it, but it wouldn't be something that we would study as you know, the, the authoritative scripture of the, of the word of God. But really, the, it's the Holy Spirit that was, was guiding him all along through this process. Because sometimes we think the fact that maybe he had sources, that he was researching, kind of works against saying that, that the Bible comes from the inspiration of God, that it's, it is the word of, of God, that is God-breathed and, and truthful. But really, that, that itself is kind of a straw man argument, because what we have, and the, the church has always held that the, the Bible, it is fully from God, that it's, it's God-breathed, it's the inerrant word of, of God, that it, it is um, truthful in everything that he intends to teach about himself and the world and salvation, how we're brought into relationship with him. But also, as the Spirit was working, he was working through the people who were writing so that it can reflect their, their words, their vocabulary, their, their interests, uh, but do, which doesn't take away from the truth of it. And listen to how uh, Pastor John MacArthur explains this kind of paradox in, with Luke here. He says, Luke's acknowledgement that he compiled his account from various extent sources does not invalidate the claim of divine inspiration for his work. The, prospect, pro, the process of inspiration never bypasses or overrides personalities, vocabularies, and styles of the human authors of Scripture. The unique traits of the human authors are always indelibly stamped in the books of Scripture. Luke's research creates no exception to this rule. The research itself was orchestrated by divine providence. And so we can trust the, the, the care of God in, in delivering Luke to us that you know, when he's talking to the eyewitnesses, he can, he can discern, okay, this person's saying something. That's not true. Maybe that person doesn't remember correctly. He's, he's making this up. Or you know, reading different sources. Okay, this is... This is going to go in, this is not going to go in, that it, it wasn't just arbitrary or just him making these decisions, but God is guiding it, which is what Peter means in his, his letter, his second letter, where he says that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what the Apostle Paul means in 2 Timothy 3, where he says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and reproof and instruction and in righteousness, that that includes the book of, of Luke. And so if we are looking for certainty today, if we need certainty today, we're not going to find it ultimately in ourselves. We're not going to find it just through, through looking at our own subjective experience. We're not going to, to find it by just kind of sticking our heads in the ground and not thinking and just hoping that somehow we, we have more certainty and feeling bad because we don't have enough certainty. We're not going to, to get certainty ultimately by just kind of going off by ourselves somewhere and just trying to, to meditate. But the Holy Spirit promises that the way that he, the primary way that he gives us assurance concerning the things that we've been taught, this, this certainty is actually through scripture that he himself inspired. 
which is what Luke means when he says that I'm writing this so that you can have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. It is through reading scripture, through studying scripture, through working your way through it, that ultimately that the spirit testifies with your spirit that no, this is true, this is God's word, that this is actually something that I can, I can live for this, I can suffer for this, I can die for this. And I have, I have certainty that when that moment comes, and it's going to come, unless Jesus comes back for each and every one of us, where we are going to, to close our eyes for the last time, never to open them again. And in that moment, when you are closing your eyes for the last time, are you going to have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught? Because it's going to really matter at that point, because the question of, of heaven and, and where you're going to be and is there a life after, these aren't things that we can have kind of a, a halfway doubt about in our life. And so it is it's through studying that we can then have confidence to face that, knowing that our certainty to stand before the, the throne of God, it doesn't come from the fact that we have been good enough or we've pulled ourselves up from our bootstraps, but it's really the, the things that have been fulfilled among us of Jesus that gives us confidence because, it, because he really did live. He really did die. He really did rise again. So really our sin was paid for on the cross and really his life is counted to us if we repent and trust in him and so we don't have to wonder maybe I've done enough maybe Jesus is there because we have certainty concerning the things that we have been taught